Hello, everyone. This is the 1111 Calling Podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Haynes. Today, we have with us Christy Rich. As a holistic healer for about 20 years, Christy uses her skills and knowledge as a healer, clairvoyant, and medium to determine and treat the root cause of challenging chronic conditions with a personalized approach and natural remedies for fast-lasting results. Her specialty is making her clients feel joyful. Christy overcame her own 15-year chronic illness in one month by addressing the root cause and treating it with natural remedies. Her amazing story has been featured in the Amazon bestseller, Food Heals. Christy is currently writing her first book about childbirth around the world from a holistic perspective. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, I There's so much here that I cannot wait to talk about. Um, I think I want to begin a little bit with defining a few things that maybe listeners aren't familiar with. So sure. maybe help us understand what it means to be a holistic healer. Great question. So a holistic healer is a healer that takes into account your whole story. So it's very important as a holistic healer to get to the root cause. So to give an example with my health story, my health journey, I had a debilitating chronic illness for 15 years. So during that time, I went to doctor after doctor, and they were really looking piecemeal at the symptoms. They were saying, okay, well, she's getting migraines. Okay, she's not sleeping, but they weren't seeing the whole picture and they weren't really going to the beginning. When did it all begin? What was going on differently in your life at that time? How are you feeling emotionally? How are you feeling physically? So a holistic healer takes into account the whole story, all of the symptoms and the mind, body and spirit. So it's not just the physical body. It's not just your symptoms that are important, but it's how you're feeling emotionally. Mm -hmm. It's what is your spiritual life? Do you feel supported? So that's a holistic healer. And then I use other specialties within that. So I'm also a medium. I'm also intuitive and I'm also a clairvoyant. So I use those skills to help me as well. I definitely agree. All the parts of our lives interacting together um, obviously have an effect on, on each other. So yeah. I personally uh, believe in holistic healing and holistic care and, and taking into account all the moving pieces in history in our life. Um, maybe give us a little bit of explaining what clairvoyant is, medium, um, and I think intuition plays into both of those, but just okay. for our listeners explaining what it, what it means to be a medium and a clairvoyant. Sure. So clairvoyant means clear seeing. So that was one of the first skills that I developed as I started to see more clients. And so that means during my sessions, I actually see visions. I actually see as if they're happening right now. So it's kind of like a dream, but in real life. Okay. So that's what happens for me. Um, I am not clairvoyant throughout my day. It's only in my healing sessions that I turn that on. So for some people they are clairvoyant and they do actually see spirits. They do actually see ghosts come into the room. Um, my grandmother could see ghosts. I do not see any ghosts, but I do see guides that come in during the healing sessions. So that in a nutshell is what clairvoyant means. It means clear seeing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not really very clear audience. So clear audience is what most people are familiar with. That's clear hearing. So that's actually hearing a voice speaking to you, mm -hmm. hearing a, a spirit, uh, giving you guidance. And medium is connecting to the divine. It's connecting to the astral plane. It's connecting to your guides, to angels, to ancestors who have passed. So it's very interesting. The more work that you do, <laughs> the more you follow your intuition, oftentimes these gifts open up. So I tell people it's, it's not just those who are very special that can become clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. You know, it's those who are open to it and who practice. So intuition is something that we can practice. Intuition is something that everyone has the capability to tap into, but a lot of people don't trust it. Because in our society, it's all about go, go, go. It's about your mind. It's about being intelligent, being productive. It's not about slowing down and pausing and hearing those whispers and just tapping into what feels right for you. So um, I think it was 
uh, gosh, I can't remember, I think 2011, maybe 2012 is when I became clairvoyant when I moved to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until 2017 that I became a medium. Okay. So I actually became a medium after coming back from Brazil. So I did a lot of spiritual work there. I was meditating up to five, six hours per day. And then when I came back, then I had that connection to be able to ask them questions and then to feel and um, connect with them. And uh, was that when you became a medium and clairvoyant, both those times at different points in your life, was it? something you realized in hindsight, like, oh my gosh, this is what that is. This is what that ability is. Or was it something that you innately felt curious about and thought, I'm going to explore this more and develop it? Does that well, make sense? Yeah, sure. It's okay. an interesting question because my grandmother was psychic. My grandmother had the ability, she had the skills, but she really suppressed it because she didn't like it. She saw you know, the future. And it was often things that were negative, that were bad, people passing, loved ones who she loved dearly were going to die. And so she turned it off and thought it was a curse. But for me growing up, I always wanted to be psychic. I always wanted to be clairvoyant. I always wanted to tap into all these skills and I didn't know how to. So I'm like, why, why am I not as, you know, psychic as she is? I would have dreams and I would have dreams that would be prophetic and things would happen. And I would know things that no one had told me. I would know family secrets just from dreaming about them, but I wasn't able to boom, you know, turn on my clairvoyance mm -hmm. until it just happened until it just opened up. And uh, actually to go into a brief story, I believe it opened up because I had been working with someone who was a healer and she actually reminded me that I come from a long line of healers. So just hearing that, sometimes hearing that, it kind of gives you permission to tap into your talents. And once she said that, something clicked inside of me. And then I started to be clairvoyant. I started to see things and I started to share with my clients. And then it was validating because what I shared wasn't what they had shared with me in the beginning. So I knew things, I saw things that they hadn't shared. And they said, oh, well, yes, that was me in college. I was the mascot. That's that costume you mm. saw me in. Or, oh, yes, I have had a reading with another psychic. He did tell me I was a, a Thai man. And yes, that's exactly the same description. Mm. So it was validating. So yeah. once it was validating, then it gave me permission to keep on sharing what I saw with my clients. Yeah. And building your confidence and trust within that too, I imagine. Exactly. That's exactly. fantastic. I do believe that, um, that we all have somewhat of that ability. I, I think it's a sense that we, another sense or senses that we have to utilize if we learn to tap into them and trust them. Um, you know, just like we have our, our smell or our vision, our yes. hearing, things like that, that those are all more senses, but they just haven't been as, um, embraced or accepted by society and talked yes. about and honored and, and um, even as basic as intuition. I think intuition mm. is one that is a little bit more out in the open, but still people do not trust their intuition, nor do they realize it's really the way I think about intuition is that it is innate wisdom yes. that is present everywhere in the universe and it's within all of us it's within all all of the universe so for us to be given that you know we're just in this human body right now but our soul is infinite and in that innate intuition that wisdom is within us no matter where we are in what form I and yeah and there's so much to it and i do know just personally the times that I ignored it or didn't trust it or thought that's crazy. It's, it, it just is not good. <laughs> you know? I, know. I know you got to trust it. Yeah. Even if it doesn't make sense, just know, okay, there's something to this and I just need yeah. to trust it. Even if I can't make sense of it right now. Yes. So, and it's so interesting that you say that because there's so many people that have told me at some point in my life, oh, I can't be like you. I can't just trust my intuition. I don't have that luxury. And I was like, wow, okay, that's interesting that you think that, yeah. you know, because I shared 
stories about how I moved to San Francisco and it was literally because of my intuition. I had a dream one night and it was so positive and it was so happy that I took that as a sign because I wanted to move and I didn't know where to move. So I took that leap of faith and my friend was like, oh no, I could never do that. I, you know, I don't have that luxury. I have to, you know, do mm -hmm. things logically. But again, it's, it's our conditioning that we feel that we can't uh, trust our intuition, that we have to be so logical and it has to make sense. Yeah, that you have to have that sensible plan rather than just stepping in that direction and trusting that it, it's leading somewhere that you need to be. It yeah. is hard. It is hard. I do think it's one of those things, the more that you do that, it becomes, um, you, you yeah, it comes easier and you see that things open up for you and you start to trust it more and you realize the gift that it is. Um, well, thank you yes, for explaining some of that, because I think there's a lot of those words get thrown around sometimes and people aren't really sure what they mean. And they, they may jump to, um, conclusion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Just briefly, I, I wanted that. to say one other thing I forgot to mention mm -hmm. is that something I didn't know about was clairsentient. That mm -hmm. was a term I'd never heard about. It's not talked about as much. And what that is, is clear feeling. Mm -hmm. So that is actually another one of my skills is I'm clear feeling. And that's my skill to communicate with the divine to go back and forth is I actually feel their response. And then sometimes it comes out with clear cognizant. I just know what they're saying. I know the messages. Yes. So clear cognizant is clear knowing and clear sentient is clear feeling. So those are some other clairs for people to understand and know about. <laughs> and I know that I've had some of those experiences, both with clear sentient and clear cognizant trying to explain that to somebody, you feel like <laughs> a crazy person. You're like, I don't know why I know. I just know, you know, or yeah, um, exactly. I had my brother, I was doing a meditation and my brother had passed away. Gosh, mm -hmm. this is probably within a few months of him passing. And I knew, just knew, you know, I could feel his presence. And it's so hard to put into words because words are a whole different thing than these yes. other experiences that you just know and understand. So I, uh, I, I do struggle sometimes to explain that to people. And it, it is something that you are intimidated by, or I think I'm, I'm intimidated by concerned about what other people would think when you're trying to explain that to them. So mm. I think it's awesome that you learn to embrace that and trust it and are able to utilize it in helping others too, as well as yourself. So Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, do you mind talking briefly about what your own 15 year chronic illness was, what that was looking like and sure. I, and the struggles of really trying to get to the bottom of that? Yeah. So it was a hard time. I was sick for 15 years. So that was a big chunk of my life. Yeah. And that was the prime of my life. You know, that was right after I graduated from college the next 15 years. So it was a very difficult time because I'd been healthy all of my life. I never had any health issues. I remember missing just a few days of school. I had the chicken pox in mm -hmm. middle school. But I really didn't get sick. I didn't miss school. I was a very positive person. So suddenly in college, when I got sick, I was, you know, very confused. And uh, as I mentioned briefly, I went the traditional, you know, uh, medical route, going to the doctor and having all these tests done. And they just couldn't find anything wrong with me. So because of my symptoms, they immediately said, oh, you're just depressed. Just take these antidepressants. You're just depressed. And I said, but I'm not depressed. I don't have mm -hmm. any reason to be depressed. I physically don't feel well. <clears throat> and this is not like me. And this has been going on for quite some time because it started when I was in my junior year abroad. And then, you know, into my senior year, I was even, you know, having problems getting up to go to classes. I was all of a sudden having all these um, allergic reactions to foods. Etc. So um, they just, oh, no, it's, it's depression. It may seem like it's something else, but it's depression. But I knew, I knew my body and I knew that something was not right. So I didn't accept that. I didn't take that as, okay, I just take this pill and I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, that may have been some of the feeling too, like that you just knew that's not the right answer and you had a feeling yes. it wasn't. And to trust that intuitively that this isn't they're, they're not understanding what I'm talking about here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
So it was just very bizarre because I got a bad fever when I was overseas in London. And then I just got upset stomach. It was just like an avalanche of symptoms. It never Mm -hmm. got better. So I was discouraged, you know, not uh, having an answer from my doctors, but I was like, okay, I'm going to push through. We're going to figure this out. So after I graduated from college, then I started going to an acupuncturist Mm -hmm. and it was my very first time going to an acupuncturist. I was very curious. I'd always heard about it and how amazing it was and how they have a different philosophy than we do with uh, understanding the organs and the different meridians. So I was very curious what he was going to say. But instead of him, you know, going into this other language and explanation of what happened, he said, oh, well, you've just graduated from college and now you're in the real world. So you're just stressed. Have Mm. some fun. (laughs) That's crazy. That seems odd for a a Chinese medicine doctor to to just say that because I, I have a friend that's a Chinese medicine yeah. doctor and that is like, so not the, the way she would have thought about it. You know, it seems like often that Chinese yeah. medicine doctors really are, are a little bit more on the holistic side, as far as that they do look at your lifestyle, you know, your history, your spirituality, as well as the energy and organs and all of that. So what a yes, bummer that, that <laughs> you hit a dead end again with that one. <laughs> well, it was meant to be. Was, my journey was, uh, I think, uh, destined. But I have been to meet fantastic Chinese acupuncturists since mm-hmm. then. So I do believe acupuncture is a great remedy. But yeah. um, he unfortunately said, okay, it's just stress. That's what he believed it was. So I stopped going to him. And then I started this journey. I started this journey of discovering alternative health and wellness. I never Mm -hmm. explored alternative medicine before. And I was very eager and curious to get better. So to make a long story short, I went to every single possible practitioner you can imagine. I started doing gentle yoga because I couldn't do anything very vigorous. I didn't have any energy. I had chronic Mm -hmm. fatigue. I had insomnia. I had migraines. I had night sweats. I had food allergies, I had nausea, upset stomach, um, just no energy, no stamina. It was terrible. I had terrible acne that was all of a sudden popping out. (laughs) Adult acne. Yeah. And they're like, oh, everything's fine. Um, So finally, (laughs) so after going through all that, I kept on going back to my doctors. I said, something's wrong with me. You've got to figure it out. And they would run some blood tests again, nothing, everything's Mm -hmm. fine. Just, you know, relax. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so finally, I finally found a doctor who did believe me. I had all of my notes written out. I had everything, you know, documented and, um, you know, actually there was a period even that I did study shamanism and I did study Mm -hmm. Reiki as a way to try to heal myself. Uh So that's important part of the story too. So it did help it did help me to feel better, but it still didn't help me to get over the chronic illness. So finally, I went to this doctor who was a specialist. and I said, please, please run some tests. I think something is wrong with me. I don't know what it is, but I want to get to the root cause. So he did some more blood tests and he did discover the root cause. And he was just so happy that he did because Mm -hmm. he found out in the blood that I had very high levels of heavy metals in my blood. Okay. And was he a traditional MD or Western medicine? He was actually infectious disease specialist. Okay. And so he did the blood tests. It was not an alternative person. He was a traditional MD. And uh, yeah, he said, you have extraordinarily high levels of lead and mercury off the charts, the highest I've ever seen in any patient. He said, I have no idea how this happened to you, yeah. but you've got to get these out immediately and you've got yeah. to go to a toxicologist. I, I can't help you. And that's not my specialty, but you need to go to a toxicologist. And with these levels being this high, it's going to be at least a year of chelation therapy. Mm. So chelation therapy for those who are listening yeah. is the only way that Western medicine um, offers as a way to get the heavy metals out of your blood. So heavy what metals. It- What is that? What is chelation therapy exactly? Sure. Great question. So chelation therapy is actually um, substances that are put into your body, into your blood. So it is an IV that goes in and it goes through and it takes out, it extracts, it chelates. So Mm -hmm. chelates means it attaches to the heavy metals to draw them out because Mm -hmm. heavy metals do not come naturally out of the body. 
So that's very important for people to know. Once you have a heavy metal in your body, it will not come out until it's chelated, drawn out. Uh Okay. And heavy metals should never be in the body. They always are toxic. They always cause symptoms. So even a little bit will make you sick, Hmm. but my levels were so high. They had no idea how I had been accumulating them. He said, it seems like you've been ingesting them. Your, Your levels are so high. So then I had to be, uh, seen by a toxicologist. I went to several toxicologists, you know, the best in Connecticut and, uh, they couldn't believe the levels. Again, they'd never met anyone so high with heavy metals and also so high functioning. Hmm. And because I was so high functioning, because I still had a sense of humor, like one doctor, (laughs) like didn't believe that I actually had heavy metals. He's like, Oh no, it can't be. This is impossible that they must've made a mistake with your blood results again and again, because this is impossible for you to have a conversation with me with these high levels. And I'm like, no, uh, that's, that's the blood. (laughs) That's mine. That's my test. Um, so basically, um, they gave the option of doing chelation therapy and that was something I didn't want to do because I had done research and I had discovered that it is one of the few substances that can pass between the blood brain barrier. Mm-hmm. And that is dangerous. So that can cause disastrous results that can cause brain damage that can cause paralysis and that can even cause death. Okay. So now I feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, great. I'm very happy. Finally, I have the root cause. Finally, I know what has caused my 15 year illness, but now in order to get well, I could become sicker than ever and possibly die. Yeah. Doesn't Yikes. sound so good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, no, thank you. I said, I'm not going to go that route. You know, one, it's very painful. It's very costly. I didn't have insurance at the time mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to subject myself to that result of, of being paralyzed or being, you know, dead. So basically I said, I'm a healer, Christy, you're a healer. You can heal yourself. Okay. So then I had been doing research all of this time to be proactive, to be preventative. And I believe that was part of the reason why I didn't have symptoms that were even worse than the ones that I had, because I was eating organic food. I was, you know, taking vitamins. I was, you know, taking good care of myself. So finally I said, okay, Christy, you can do this. You can heal yourself in one month. I gave myself one month. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm not not exactly sure why I said one month, but I said, oh, you've been sick long enough. One month, you'll be well, you can overcome this. So I just went on Google and I did research and I found out there's natural food and supplements you can take that will naturally chelate, draw the heavy metals out without side effects, all natural and not costly, very cheap. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Right. <laughs> what were they? Is I mean, was it a whole bunch of different stuff or can, well, there's many different things you can take for me. I took cilantro. So mm-hmm. I had a cilantro dish every single day and made a pesto, put it over vegetables, had it as a dip and then also chlorella. So chlorella yeah. is a sea vegetable is yep, algae. Yep. And so I took that every single day. I made a smoothie with the chlorella. I ate the cilantro fresh took it every single day for a month. Mm-hmm. And then for the first time ever, I started meditating. Mm-hmm. I told myself every single day, Christy, you're going to be well in one month. You can do this. You're going to do it. And then they were taking my blood every four days because they were amazed how high the levels were. And they were nervous that my levels could be going up. So they were checking the blood and it was going down and down and down until mm. the end of the month when they checked it, it was zero. That's and crazy. What did they say about that? You know, because I know there's so much controversy between a lot of Western medicine and like naturopaths and um, functional medicine doctors. And so did they give it credit to those supplements and your, and what you chose to do, or did they just say you were lucky? Well, I actually didn't go back to the doctors who said that there was nothing wrong with me. And I didn't go back to the toxicologist because I didn't work with them. I basically decided to heal myself. So I didn't really uh, go back and and say, hey, I told you (laughs) something was wrong and and you didn't take it seriously. But I think, you know, I think still there is that division, like you said, that 
that there is Western medicine. They believe there's certain protocol that you take medication or if something really bad is happening, you have surgery or there's alternative health and wellness and you can go natural and you can try different modalities. So there really is this division. There really is this divide. And I think they're not necessarily open to believing it. Because even yeah. when I was, you know, sick before I healed myself, they were basically saying, oh, well, we can't recommend that you even take vitamins because they're not approved by the FDA, yeah. you know? So I'm like, vitamins? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, we definitely can't say you can take herbs. So mm-hmm. again, that they weren't open to other possibilities for me healing. And, and the nutrition part of it, you know, I, friends of mine, family members who have gone through Western medicine, they're either doctors, PAs, nurses, et cetera. We've had this conversation and they straight up will say, we're not taught about nutrition. And to me, what you're putting in your mouth can make you sick or it can make you better. And so it's just insane to me that there's very little discussion about nutrition. And so, and I, and I am not sitting here bashing Western medicine hundred percent because there's a lot within it that is also great and good and necessary. Yes, However, of course. Yes. being able to draw, being able to take it all in and, and draw from it and see what works best is really what it's about. And giving the, the patient, the information, give, give them a broad range of information so that they can make their choices that really feels right for them and give them that power to really handle their health in a way that feels right to them. And I think slowly, but surely there's more of that happening. You see more and more, oh, integrative medicines or, you know, holistic MDs and things like that. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do know I had, I, you know, it's so funny because it's like one little thing will happen and then it just keeps opening these different doors. And, and then you've got this broader perspective of how you look at things. But I was having, um, this was like in my thirties, I would get an infection. I would get uh, uh, antibiotic from a doctor Mm -hmm. and then I'd have a horrific yeast infection from the antibiotic. And then within a month I'd have the original infection again. And this went on for a few months. I'm like, this is crazy. This is not working. And so I got online and I did a bunch of research and I've, somehow stumbled across somebody that deals with the, the initial infection they had, they were selling a product. And it was basically, when I looked at the ingredients, it was probiotics and vitamins and supplements, Mm -hmm. natural stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really expensive. And so I went to like whole foods or something and I bought the probiotic and I bought something that had, it was like an immune boosting mix. And basically within those two things, that was probably like 30 bucks. It was what was in this $300 bottle and it worked. It worked. It was done. That was it. I did it. It it worked. And I thought, oh my God, this is great. I really need to start always number one, trust yourself and that you have the ability to find some answers and, and really how much healing could come from these natural remedies. And and so it really opened my eyes and made me more curious about it. And again, that was the first door, one of many, I can't remember which was first, but that was just one of many that, that opened. And then it just takes you on a whole different route. So yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that experience, because I think that's really powerful. And gosh, again, even for you, that was just one more step in the direction of you becoming an empowered healer, not only for yourself, but realizing you can share that with others. So I think that's amazing. Well, uh, I know that you offer a lot of different healing modalities. Um, You know, there's some there that we could talk about, but I do think people could probably contact you and learn more about that Mm -hmm. because, um, a couple of other things I want to get into with you, um, is first that journey to Brazil, right. Where Mm -hmm. you did the meditation and you, I believe you said that's where the learning about shamanism opened up. Is that true? Or was that different? That was much earlier. So that's when I became a medium after Brazil, Ah, but it was, uh, 
I don't know, like 2003. It was, it was the beginning of my, um, yeah, it, it, it was that, that was the first step was uh, shamanism. So he was, he actually came here. He was mm. sponsored to come to Connecticut and New York. And I just happened to be in the right place, the right time. I was uh, seeing the flyer and I talked to uh, my practitioner at the time who I was going to, and I was like, wow, you see that flyer about a shaman coming to this area can you believe mm -hmm. it She's like, oh yeah he's amazing you gotta go and I was like really you know him you're gonna go <laughs> so yeah. that's how I got into it it was just like curiosity and interest and you know I'm, I'm in a very conservative um, area in Connecticut so it was just so out of the blue it was so unusual that a shaman would come mm -hmm. to this area to teach so it, it just happened to be where I was supposed to be at the moment to see that flyer yeah that's how I got into that but uh, when I went to Brazil, that, that was a different story. That was much later. Okay. And again, shamanism or being a shaman is, is a term that I think is a little foggy for people. Can you give a better mm -hmm. definition of what that is? Sure. Well, um, there's different types of shamanism. So as I mentioned, I studied with a Russian shaman. So I do Russian shamanism. Most people are familiar with Native American shamanism. Mm -hmm. And then some people do like a blend. They've kind of created their own form of shamanism. So it's very important for people to understand there's different types and they are very different. Um, but shamanism actually originated in Siberia, in Russia. So that mm -hmm. is the first um, form of shamanism that was created. And then later on, it was then, um, I guess, formulated by the Native American Indians. So um, the form that I do is very different than Native Americans. So for the type that I do, it's much more, um, well, I'll tell you what it is, because again, I haven't studied Native American, but for the type that I do, it is connecting with the earth, Mother Earth. So the land, nature is very important to us. We connect to plants, we connect to the astral plane, to other spirits, to guides, um, ancestors. We also heal the physical body. So we heal all of the organs. We um, focus on balancing the yin and the yang, so the feminine and the masculine. And it's also using breath to heal and also using imagination, creativity to heal. So for the type of shamanism that I do, I'm not using a drum. So a lot of people mm -hmm. with shamanism, they use a drum. They do journeying. I don't do journeying. Um, so it's very different. So Native American, I know they're trying to reconnect you to your spirit because at certain times your spirit can break off. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to bring it all back together so that you feel complete. But for Russian shamanism, it's, it's very uh, fun for me because I really get to use my imagination and my intention to heal. So I can really tap into my clairvoyance to help heal my clients. So it's, it's very fun. So I hope that gives kind of yeah. a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I think I always uh, personally thought of shamanism almost as a spiritual guide and a healer spiritually, but it's, it's all encompassing physically and spiritually. Would that be accurate? Yeah. And it's also philosophy of life. So okay. shamans don't use medicine. We don't take medicine. Right. We do natural healing. So it's also to incorporate that. And also to know that you are, like you talked earlier, you are a spirit in a human body. So it's mm -hmm. to understand and connect with your spirit and your spirituality and just realize, okay, this is temporary for right now. And I can take care of my body right now, but also it's about connecting to my spirit and then connecting and knowing that there are other spirits who are always around us, guiding us, protecting us and here if ever we need support. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. That, that really did help me understand a little bit better as I believe it probably did for our listeners too. Um, okay, good. And then, so the trip to Brazil, you, do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Cause I think sure. that's pretty interesting. You spent so, several hours a day in meditation, correct? Yes. Up to six hours. So that was the longest time I never <laughs> spent in meditation. Didn't think I could do it, but uh, it was a very spiritual place. It was a place that actually had crystals underneath where the, um, where the center was. And mm -hmm. so because it had clear quartz, clear quartz really um, can connect you to the divine, can connect you to 
the light to a higher vibration. Mm -hmm. So we had that underneath us and there were all these people who had the intention, the pure intention to heal or to you know, uh, be of the light. Okay. So it was all people who were very positive coming together. A lot of people that went to this center, they had terrible illnesses that they had gone to doctors, they'd gone to healers, they tried everything to no avail, they couldn't get over it, or they were just scared, they were given a diagnosis such as stage four cancer, and they wanted to try to do something. And uh, there was this healer there who was helping people to have these miraculous healings and recoveries. And so he was a channel and he would channel all of these doctors from the past and all these amazing healers with all this knowledge. So it wasn't his knowledge, it was these spirits coming in and then telling the people what they should do, what herbs they should take and, and how to heal. Okay. So I was curious, I'd heard about this place in Brazil and this healer and I wanted to experience it. I didn't need to heal anything at that point. I mean, I guess you can always work on healing different mm -hmm. things, but I'd already overcome my chronic illness. So it was more just kind of, I guess I was curious to actually expand my healing abilities. I think mm -hmm. I, I had that as my intention now that I'm remembering. And then sure enough, after that, I did become a medium. So it did actually work. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a time, there were three days a week where people would come and meditate. So it was very specific days. And during that time, you were basically led, like they had an opening prayer and um, they told everyone to visualize um, bright white light or just love. And they would play this relaxing music and people would just get into that energy. Mm -hmm. And so during that time, I would just close my eyes and picture love and, you know, really be high vibration. And, uh, just doing that, just concentrating on that. That was a meditation. And uh, then they would, you know, break for lunch and then you could do another session after that. Um, but it was very powerful. It was very powerful and it can seem so simple, but meditation can be so profound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to educate people is that I really believe that part of the reason why I overcame my chronic illness was because I was meditating daily. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't just taking the cilantro and the chlorella. I wasn't just doing that, which was a very important component, but I was also meditating for 20 minutes, twice a day, every single day. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever meditated. I just got the hit. I needed to meditate. Then I needed to clear my mind to release all the negativity to just let the divine in. And then the same thing happened when I was in Brazil, when I was meditating, it was just like, okay, just let the divine in, let them do what they need to do. And I'm an open channel. Yeah. So that's what happened. That's fabulous. Thanks for sharing that. I, I've been dabbling in meditation on and off for gosh, probably over 10 years and it is life-changing. It, mm, um, it is. Yes. I try to get in the practice of doing it every morning and it just sets a tone for the day, gives yes. you an opportunity to clear your mind. It gives you an opportunity to set intentions and, um, and I, I there's so much more to that, but I, I really, really feel like it's life-changing and I would encourage anybody to give it a try. There's no, there's no right or wrong. Just, just sit down and give it a try, even if it's two minutes, you know, and, and go from there and try to keep an open mind about it. Well, yes, I agree. I, I would like to get into um, the book. I'm so curious about this, this book that you're writing um, I know you're in the process of doing a lot of research and conducting, um, I don't, I don't know if you're doing interviews or just collecting data about childbirth around the world. I find this a very interesting topic. It first came on my mind probably about 12, 15 years ago, I was considering, um, getting pregnant and having a baby, uh, that did not happen. But during that time, I was researching what kind of birthing I would want to do. And I learned so much. It, it just blew my mind. And um, I am a mom now. I did not, um, I've never been pregnant, did not birth a child, but I, I know so many different women in my life who have different childbirth stories, some beautiful, some pretty tough. And 
So I'm really eager to learn more about how this got on your radar, why you're deciding to do this and, and just hearing more about what you're learning. Great. Well, this is my passion project. <laughs> I could talk yeah. about this all day long. I started this in 2019. So this was just divinely led. I became uh, very interested after meeting a friend for tea and uh, hearing about her experience being a mother. So she was still pregnant at the time. And I was just so inspired by what I learned about her. And then it made me question. It made me ask some questions. So she had an experience and she is an empowered woman. So she decided to do what was best for her and to listen to her beliefs, um, even if they didn't match what her doctor's beliefs were. So she actually did change doctors um, based on that. And so because of that, I went, wow, okay, you know, no one has ever shared that experience with me about behind the scenes about what it's like to be pregnant and some some scenarios like that. So I said, if this is somebody who is empowered and went through this situation, what would have happened if she wasn't empowered? Mm. And so that really got me thinking. And so, you know, immediately after meeting with her, I started doing some research. I was very curious and I started finding out all this information. And with my holistic background, it was just so intriguing to me. And I just started doing more and more and more. And I just became so curious. And uh, basically, shortly after that, I decided to interview. So I've interviewed pretty close to 70 mothers and childbirth experts around the world. Mm-hmm. So I've been very busy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the stories have just been amazing. So I learned very quickly uh, that there aren't many books about childbirth around the world. Basically, we have books that are about, okay, what is childbirth like in the US? Mm -hmm. And then it's broken down to what is uh, hospital birth like and what is home birth like, but it's not about the holistic childbirth experience, about what it is for women from conception to pregnancy, how they felt physically and emotionally during their pregnancy, and then what was happening during labor and also what happened postpartum, the Mm -hmm. whole experience. Mm -hmm. So that was very curious to me. And um, I also want to mention that I am not a mother. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know that there is this divide among mothers about Mm -hmm. talking about childbirth. And I didn't know that there were all these horror stories that a lot of women share in order to try to persuade other mothers to make certain decisions during labor Mm -hmm. out of fear. And I didn't know that there was a lot of shaming and judgment and Mm -hmm. criticizing going on among mothers about childbirth. And for me, being a holistic healer and being somebody who is really trying to empower my clients to really empower them with this and to be, you know, strong women, I was shocked that this topic of childbirth was a topic that's not really discussed that is disempowering women. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've got to do something about this. I've got to help to bridge this divide so that women can have empathy for all experiences. Because if you do not have the whole story, if you just know, you know, bits of the labor, that's not the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't give you the whole idea of what happened at labor because there are clues. There are things that happened before that are very important part of the story. And most women don't realize that because they don't have a holistic understanding. So I knew that I had to get the full story and to really interview women of all different experiences. So women could see all the different experiences and also to see how different it is in different countries around the world. Yeah. I think that would be interesting just culturally. The It, it varies so much from yes. culture to culture in different countries. And so I think that I'm, I'm really curious to see how that shakes out the differences um, in different cultures, but also just even within the U.S., you, it's just as divisive as anything, you know, it's, there's always shaming, there's always anger and misinformation and disinformation and all of that, even around something as natural as childbirth, right? You would think it would be simpler than it is, but it's become so complex and so divisive um, from every step from 
how you get pregnant and when you're pregnant and how you care for yourself during that pregnancy and how you birth and breastfeeding or not. And, um, all of that is just become so divisive. It's sad. And so I think it's great that you're, again, it comes down to empowering these women and, and the men too, you know, if there's fathers involved to, to get a broader perspective of what the choices are and what your experience could be like, and then choosing for yourself. Because I think at least in this country, that's, what's missing. It's just, this is how you do it. This is the way to go. Don't ask questions. No, you can't do that. And I think it's really toxic. I think Mm -hmm. it's toxic to the family. I think it's toxic to that unborn child. And I'm sure we'll tap into some of that as you're um, sharing what you're learning so far from these women from around the world. How many different um, women from different countries have have you interviewed? Like how many? How many? How many different countries? How many different countries? I guess how many different cultures have you tapped into? Um, I should know the number. I don't know the number. I think it's around 15, 16, something like that. Okay. Um, so I do have the U.S., I do have Canada, I do have um, South America, I do have Europe, I do have Australia, I do have Asia, I do have Africa. So I do have, you know, a lot of areas covered. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's 70 mothers and childbirth experts. So a lot of different experiences, um, just about anything, everything that you could imagine. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan this. I didn't curate this. I just said, anyone who's interested in sharing your story, I'd love to hear your story. And it's funny because I got a lot of women saying, oh, well, I I didn't have an interesting uh, experience because I had a C-section. Are you still interested Mm -hmm. in hearing about that? I'm like, yes, of course. Every childbirth experience is an experience and I want to hear about all of it. And even some of them say, oh, you know, mine was just boring. And and they judge themselves before sharing the story. And then they tell the story. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not boring at all. Um, But but again, it's like conditioned to, to feel a certain way. To minimize. Yes. To because minimize. they've probably been minimized. Yes. <laughs> themselves. Exactly. So interesting. Exactly. Well, yeah. is there anything in particular about what you've learned thus far that you're wanting to share? Oh, there's so much to share. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, basically you had mentioned that it's very important for uh, men to have information as well. And I do believe that is a part that has been missing. So I do have a chapter in my book that's specifically for partners, for spouses, boyfriends, you know, whoever is supporting the mother to Mm -hmm. also have information about how they can support her. I think that's very important. And for men to read this book too, because a lot of women are the ones that read all these books about childbirth to prepare, but the man, the partner, he doesn't necessarily read all this and he doesn't have the information. And it's also very important to understand from his perspective because so many of the women who I interviewed, their their partner had so much fear and that Mm. did impact the birth. And so that's very important for women to know, one, that they need to do what they need to do to feel empowered, to have an empowered birth. And it is possible to have an empowered birth, even though there's all these horror stories of all these bad things that happen to a lot of women, it is still possible Mm -hmm. uh, to have an empowered birth. And it's, you know, a great goal to go for that and to get the information that you need. And there's so many myths out there about what happens and what is true. And that is something I'm going to be busting. I'm going to be busting a lot of myths. A lot of people may say, I know this is how it is. And I even have so many women who I interviewed or who I've spoken to. And they're like, oh, I know everything there is to know about childbirth. I'm, I'm sure that there's nothing <laughs> that'll surprise me in this book. I'm like, mm, you know, everything about childbirth all around the world. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. So it's, it's very interesting that women think, oh, if I read a few books or if I had a few kids, then I know everything that there is. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is so much, so much that I could share even beyond the three books. Um, So for someone to say that, that means that you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that's what this book will uncover is what you don't know that you don't know. Yeah. Um, 
so the three books, how are they going to be organized? Like, how are you breaking them up? What is each book addressing? Well, I probably shouldn't quite uh, be so clear about this because I'm still looking for an agent and a publisher. So they probably okay. don't want me to announce ahead of time. But okay. I will say that this first book is really about the divide that I see that is between women on the topic of childbirth and how we need to heal it through empathy. So really being open to all of the stories, hearing all of the stories, and for women to be encouraged to share their stories, okay? No matter what happened, no matter if it was a traumatic birth or if it was a very positive birth or if they had some shame or guilt, it's very important for women to share. And also I think what's gonna be so important for this book is that women will see themselves in these stories and they'll be like wow okay you give me freedom you give me the courage now to talk about this because I don't feel alone in this do you find that that divisiveness is throughout the world or is it more prevalent here no it's throughout the world yeah it's throughout the world yeah, so also have an important chapter on the history of childbirth, a brief history on childbirth. And that will really give some insight because I think a lot of women do not know the history of childbirth and they have certain assumptions. I, I heard so much about what it was like during colonial time and, and how it is now. And that's why they have the beliefs that they have. But there's so much information that has been lost, that hasn't been shared, that is very important to have understanding about where we are today. Okay. So I will be including that as well. Um, but goodness, there, there's so much to share. I mean, I want to share that around the world, you know, women have the same feelings. They have the same fears. They have the sh same shame. They mm -hmm. have the same expectations and wishes, but they don't always have the same um, choices in childbirth. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be very eye-opening these books. So I'm very, very excited to share. I'm really excited to check it out. Like I said, even though um, I'm not planning on having any children at this point, any, you know, more children, I, I think the, since a kid, I've been fascinated with pregnancy and the birthing experience and mm -hmm. development of the baby within the womb. And, um, so I just, I find it really interesting. And when I was researching, possibly having a baby, I remember seeing two films. One, I can't remember the name of it, um, but it was about uh, the birthing process and from the baby's perspective, mm. how it can impact them traumatically or mm -hmm. not traumatically just mm -hmm. during the pregnancy during the birthing process itself and how you can enter into the world already having this trauma not on a yes. cognitive level but in yes. almost just in a cellular soul level yeah and um I remember I had there was a bit about it and I had that actor Noah Wiley who at the time, like he was a guy from that show, I think it was ER or something like that. Oh or yeah, of course. Some TV show, but it had he and his wife and that they chose to have a, a birth at home. I believe it was probably a, a water birth in a tub or a pool. And they stayed together, the family unit for like a month in their home not going out and being mm -hmm. present, the three of them and why they chose to do that and yes. how they thought that would benefit their baby and their family. And I thought that was fascinating. And that, that, that seems like such a privilege. Like remember you were saying at the beginning, mm -hmm. is it a privilege or is it a choice, but that it is hard for people to choose that for themselves with everything else going on in life, but that I thought, gosh, how special that they did that and that they were able to do that. And I can only imagine that the positive benefits that had for the entire family. So yes. I thought that was a really interesting piece of that one movie. And the other movie that blew me away is a, a it's called The Business of Being Born. I yes. don't know if you've seen yes. that, but very popular. Movie. Uh, yes. That made me really sad, <laughs> you know, as far as like, looking at the monetization of the birth process and yeah. in this country. And I imagine other places too, but um, 
if if we could just take that out of it, how different birthing would look mm. in this country. So two two films that really um opened my eyes to a lot about birth and the birth process. And so I'm eager to Beautiful. see on top of that what your books will have to offer. I can't yeah, wait, yeah. I can't wait well, I will them. I will let you know that I will be discussing trauma and how it does affect uh-huh. uh, the mother and the baby. Yeah. And I will also be talking about what you talked about, which is a 40 day period um, that some women take. And mm-hmm. that is part of Ayurveda, which um, they encourage the mother to have that um, time just for the mother and the baby to bond and not to go outside. Yeah. So I will be addressing those topics as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. And I know prior to our interview, I was sharing with you one of my niece's experiences. She has two beautiful daughters. The first was um, in, in a hospital and they did not respect her choices, even though they said they were going to, mm. and it ended up being a really traumatic experience for her mm. and their whole family really. Mm. And so she chose a completely different route with their second daughter. And they had her at home in a, in a pool with the whole family present um, and her wishes were respected and she was completely empowered through the whole experience. And it was just night and day for her. And so I'm really proud of her for doing that, for making those choices. And, um, and I think that hopefully your book will be a piece in empowering women to, to make the choices that they feel best with in the future with Thank their birthing you. process. So I hope so too. I yes. can't wait. I cannot wait to read these books. Do you know when they like, what's the timeline looking like? Well, I'm still looking for a literary agent and then the literary agent will help me find the best publisher. So since I'm doing traditional publishing, it is a, a lengthy process, but I'm hoping that I will sign with a literary agent soon. And then hopefully next year, uh, book one will be published. That's what I'm hoping. And then I don't know how quickly they'll come out because I know they like to have a, a big chunk of time just to promote. Mm-hmm. But I am starting to work on book two at the same time as book one. So they mm-hmm. may just tumble right out after I, I get going. Yeah. But um, next year, definitely next year, book one will be out. Definitely. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking time today to share about yourself and your journey and these Thank this you so much. passion project that you're working on. And Christy, if our listeners would like to learn more about you or connect with you, what is the best place for them to do that? Well, they can contact me through my website, The Dancing Curtain. So that's thedancingcurtain.com. They can find me on social media under my name on Instagram. That's Christy Rich, spelled K-H-R-I-S-T-E-E-R-I-C-H, spelled differently. And on Facebook, they can find me on The Dancing Curtain. On YouTube, I'm on Dancing Curtain. And even if they're on Pinterest, that's again my name, Christy Mm -hmm. Rich. And I also want to let everyone know that if anyone is a mother and if she's interested in filling out my childbirth survey, I do have a childbirth survey that is for book one. And that is, again, to really empower women with this data, with this information that uh, I really couldn't find. So I was looking for specific data to include in my book, and I saw that the research hadn't been done. So I decided I'll do my own research. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it goes sometimes, huh? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So if anybody's interested, they can just go to my homepage, thedancingcurtain.com, and then there is a button to click on. You can click on that. That'll take you to the survey should only take about three minutes. It's not that long of a survey, but it is a smart survey. So it's based on your answers, what questions you will be given. And uh, that would really help to empower women around the world. So I hope that listeners will take just three minutes to fill out that survey. And if you're interested, you can also um, put your name in there. And I'm doing some drawings for some prizes. So you can possibly win a healing session with me and I'll be doing other prizes as well if you miss the next round. But um, yeah, I hope you will fill out a survey. (laughs) Excellent. Well, this is all good stuff. And I wish you the best of luck on this journey. 
And I look forward to seeing what comes of it. Thanks so much, Christy. I'm so grateful that I got to connect with Christy today. Such a fascinating, beautiful woman. And she has so many different gifts and just such a great story and journey that she's been on thus far. I was happy to learn more about it. I hope you were able to find something within this conversation that inspires you. Please feel free to reach out to Christy if you want to connect with her for healing or if you have input for her book on birth and childbirth around the world. I'm sure that she would greatly appreciate that. So if you like what you heard here today, please share with friends on social media or with family members. Feel free to subscribe. You can also leave your rating and review. This helps me become more visible to other listeners so we can share these inspiring stories to more and more people. I thank you so much. I hope you have a fabulous day. Much love to you all.